So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags to riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life and the multifamily legacy podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, The Big Kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey everybody, welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. What a beautiful day it is and I'm excited to bring a little bit of magic with a great guest and we're going to talk about how to be the lender and not the borrower, how to make some money using your capital as notes, doing notes. And so our guest is going to be, I think he's going to give a lot of valuable information that I think you're going to love and excited to share it with you. Before we start though, I want to really jump on to uh, the people that go to iTunes and give me a five-star review. Here's a new one. Super excited, but it comes from CMU Stud 23. It says, Corey provides massive value. If you're even considering getting into apartments, I'd highly recommend listening to Corey's show. He is no fluff with great content. Listen, I love it. I absolutely love it when you guys take the time to go to iTunes and leave a review. If you've not left a review, tell yourself right now that you're going to go do it and then, and then just commit to it and do it. I love reading these things. So it's super, super exciting for me. Also, if you'd love to learn how to get involved with Kahuna Investments in my company and uh, potentially maybe become one of our investors, then I highly recommend that you go to kahunainvestments.com, kahunainvestments.com, and click join, uh, get into the deal room button. It starts a, a process so we can establish a pre-existing substantive relationship with you. And so uh, you can eventually be able to look at our new deals. Now, with that said, super excited to bring you a kind of a little different flavor on uh, raising money and, and using it for a little diff different than multifamily, but I still think it's of great value. So my next guest is Jim, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to murder his last name, Mafuccio. I think I got that right, but he's been in real estate for over 30 years. He's lost everything twice, and he has found the way of uh, making really good money in real estate. And, and really, he learned it from getting hit uh, from lenders. And so now he just decided to become a lender. So he helps investors earn high yields um, without the volatility of the stock market. So if you guys would put your hands together and help me welcome Jim. Hey, James, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? Great, Corey. It's, it's good to be here with you on Zoom today. Yeah. You know, uh, before we started the show and we were just kind of talking about, you know, what you do and and you said something I thought was just at A, it's going to be it's the name of the title for this show, which is be the lender, not the borrower. That's a, such a profound statement. 
And uh, I would love for you to share uh, to our audience what that means and kind of your guys' journey and story of how you, by being massively in debt, <laughs> you're going to make lots of money. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I like to tell people uh, at conferences we go and speak at occasionally. It's like, you know, for the first time, uh, I'm up to my ears in debt and loving it, you know. And and uh, the reason that matters a lot to me is I, I've been I've been washed out twice by uh, being on the wrong side of the debt equation as a developer, small, small developer in a large pond out in Southern California. And I was an engineer prior to getting involved in real estate, uh, civil engineer, project management background. But then I got involved in 1986, very beginning. I jumped out of the corporate world and I haven't gotten a paycheck from anybody since that point in time. So 30 some years here. But being a developer, you know, using mostly private money, you don't have the staying power. And when we go through the kind of cycles that we do, especially in, in, the, in the coastal markets, man, debt is not your friend because it just eats you up. And so I got, I got chewed up and spit out twice. And uh, ha- having amassed a pretty good net worth both times and then to be zeroed out, find myself in my 50s with five teenagers and zero sources of income. And I had nothing but my real estate experience. And, and you know, I, so I, I went on a search, like, how can I get back in the game? And, you know, I kind of had an epiphany in 2010. And, and it was like, uh, you know, you might want to look at what's been what's been destroying you. And it's what's debt. Been taking it's, you out, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's financing. And, and like, you know, it, you know, it's become kind of cliche now. But, you know, when you drive into a city, you don't see the names of rehabbers or flippers or even that many builders on the on the tops of buildings, you know, you see banks. So kind of an aha moment, like, hey, I wonder if there's a way to be what those guys do, you know, because not only are banks too big to fail, you know, even the little ones don't, you know, so of course, they're <laughs> right, even the little ones don't. Yeah, so so there's room. So, so I, I started going to conferences and really just kind of reinvented myself and uh, started talking to people that buy uh, the whole world of buying distressed debt. And, you know, back in 2010, it was everywhere. Banks were hemorrhaging. They just, you know, they called them toxic assets. And, you know, truly one man's trash is another man's treasure. So uh, I went to a conference in 2010 in Denver and I heard a bunch of guys and they were all talking about buying first liens. And, you know, it's essentially you can gain control of a property for maybe in the 40 to 50 percent of the value of the property. And then you have the work of figuring out whether you're going to take the property or try to work with the borrower. Well, off in the side room, there was a guy talking about buying second liens. And and most people are like, are you insane? You're buying defaulted second liens post mortgage crisis. And, but then I heard the price points that you could buy these at. And, and, and then I got thinking, you know, if I could buy a defaulted junior lien where the senior lien is still performing, it's like, wait a second. I got somebody in the house. I know they, I know they have a job because they're paying their first mortgage. I know they want to stay and I can buy this second at a, fraction of what's owed. And it's like having a call option on the equity in that property that never expires and only gets more valuable. And I was broke. I mean, I was flat out broke. And I pulled a few new friends together and raised a little bit of money, bought a handful of these loans in 2011. And because on paper, it looked great. And then I realized, wow, this is really working. And I started getting some payoffs. And I met with a the guy who's now my business partner in 2012. He had at one point, he had the biggest, the fastest growing tech company in the Midwest. And he won the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. And I knew, I knew this guy. We were sort of friends, didn't know him that well. 
and I, we had coffee one day and he says, tell me, tell me what it is you do, you know? And I said, well, I buy uh, defaulted HELOCs and junior liens. And he goes, you're insane, man. This meeting's over. And I said, give me five minutes to explain to you why it's good. And after five minutes, he was like, man, here's my IRA. Go buy some more. And, <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, after about four months, he, he said, you know, what? the heck with further beta testing. I want to do this with you. So we started Aspen Funds in 2012 and, and now we're more than 50 million under assets under under management and that's that's cost basis assets that's really a whole lot more real estate that that's controlling and so we've just been right. scaling the business and hiring people we've built a workout uh, team that uh most of them are on the east coast they're former bankers we're super compliance minded we're licensed we started the process of getting licensed as debt collectors and even as mortgage lenders across the country and then finally, oh, wow. we just got taken under wing by a national bank that is now the trustee for all of our funds. And so we, you know, our, our, uh, when we vest our loans, they're vested in the name of this bank. And so we kind of piggyback on their nationwide licensing. So we're, we went from being an opportunistic player, uh, very entrepreneurial, to we're sort of a perennial, uh, a perennial player in the space now. And we're just doing nothing but growing. We've just had... Uh, our two best quarters ever right through COVID. I mean, it's been right. kind of, it's been a huge blessing, but we've built a great team and some good systems. And so now we just open up our funds to private investors. We, we, you know, we just got a, a $10 million commitment from a institutional investor. That's going to be a senior debt facility. And so, um, you know, we go out and we buy boatloads of these loans and, and then we work them out and we really try to create win-win situations. Uh, our, our, the best case scenario, and it happens about 70% of the time, is we're able to keep a homeowner in their home with, a, with a, uh, an adjusted payment structure, oftentimes reducing quite a bit of the principal. And so they're back in an equity position in the property. Yep, and now, now it becomes performing instead of non-performing. Yeah. And, and, in, and in the meantime, we're making, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're giving our investors a really nice return. Like I, I mentioned to you off, off the air there that, uh, you know, we're, we're making about 2.2 to two and a half X on everything we buy. So if I buy a million dollars worth of these non-performing loans, I'm going to generate two and a half million revenue. And it can take, you know, to, to get through a portfolio, it takes anywhere from, you start getting some returns at six months, but typically in three years, we're out of, we're, we're out of those loans. And so you just mentioned, uh, yeah, so we're rehabbing the paper instead of the property. So we right. create re-performing loans and then we realize we're selling those reperforming loans. sell those notes to another buyer that will pay more for them. Yeah, and, and we realize we're selling them at a discount. You know, like, let's say we buy, and this is these are real numbers, we buy on, at an average of 18% of the payoff balance that's owed to us. Right. Well, then we turn around and sell the reperforming loan. It ends up being about 60 to 70% of the payoff balance to, so that that cash flow investor is getting the yield they want. Well, we started realizing, shoot, these people are going to be wanting to refinance and pay off this higher interest debt. Guess what happens when they pay it off? They, they pay off the 100%. And so that buyer of that reperforming loan not only gets a good yield while it's cash flowing, but then they get a windfall when it pays off. So bottom line is about five years ago, we started as the other wing of our business, the income side, and we actually buy reperforming. Keep them, yeah, keep them the whole cycle, right? Yeah. Get them to performing, buy the performing, keep the performing in another entity. But that's what it's, it's your long term play. You got it. We're, so that's the, the passive cash flow side, and we're and we buy loans from you know many different sources on our income side. Because, Not just from your guys's. Oh yeah, yeah. Spot, we can't we can't generate enough. We can't generate enough product for that 
because you know the the investment world is very uh, as you know uh, very yield starved right now and cash flow hungry and so you know honestly it, it's it's good to be us right now just just like it's good to be you you know and you're in the multifamily space and that's a that's a phenomenal uh, world too. So. We're coming through the the next cycle of uh, of stuff. I mean, I think that the market's going to open up for everybody, even for you. There's going to be a lot more non-performing type of things out there to go find, just because of what we're in with COVID. As an investor, I'm actually very excited about the future. What's coming on, right? Yeah, you know, it um, takes some guts to say that. And, and, you know, I know you don't take lightly that, you know, like I don't, you know, that people's livelihoods are being trashed and their businesses. And it's, it's really sad. It's kind of like, you know, people are asking me like, well, how's, how's this, what effect is this having on, you You know? Yeah, we have some people that have asked for forbearance that we're, of course, working with. We haven't seen really a big disruption in our cash flow, which is kind of stunning to me. But, you know, it's kind of like, asking the undertaker, you know, after a tsunami, like, well, hey, how's business? I mean, you don't want to say business is great because it means people are dying. But honestly, yeah, there's going to be a lot of debt. And I look at it like this, uh, Corey, you know, somebody's going to own that paper. And because of our value system, um, we're probably going to be their best creditor. Well, and that's it, that you're going to be the best ones to maybe try to find because you're buying the, the paper from other banks or whatever it is, they're the ones selling it at a discount. Yeah, yeah. And they, so, they can't do what we'll do. They, they, they will yes. do and they can't do because we're entrepreneurial. We roll our sleeves up and work it out. With these. Say, how do we make the workout? How do we get this back to performing? You got it. You may need some time, whatever. And you've got the patience to, to turn it around exactly. and try to get as much of that to performing as possible. Right. Right? You got it, man. Um, and, and then the other part of that is having capital ready to deploy yeah that's something that we very sure in the comedy you know even though notes and junior liens all that is a little bit different uh tranche of real estate capital always seems to be the same in one way shape or another so you've talked about we'd i'd love to learn about some of your capital structures of how you uh, went out and raised money for these uh, types of ventures. Right. So so the first, uh, again, going back to the very beginning, again, I got a handful of friends together and I put together a simple joint venture agreement. And, you know, because I had to do what I had to do. Then when I when I hooked up with my partner, we said, hey, let's do this. Let's use a Reg D, Regulation D, you know, 506. Our first funds are 506B, which doesn't box out people that aren't accredited investors. We call it, you know, it's called in the industry family and friends fund. Yep. So, so we raised that's our what first. We do. I teach. That's what I teach. Most of our yeah. funds that we've ever done are five hundred six Bs. Yeah, it's a great place yeah. to start. And sometimes people, depending on your network, you never have to you never have to leave that space. But so we did a five hundred six B. Just went out and raised like one point six million dollars. And then I was it. I was the workout guy. We worked through licensed servicers. You know, I went out, bought the loans, contacted the borrowers, did did all of it except for the actual servicing uh, of the loans. And so once we realized this thing's a go and deal. Then we started forming and what the format we're using now is uh, we do serial funds, which means one after another, after another, and they overlap. And the reason for that is, and, and by the way, we're using 506 C's mostly now for that. And that's accredited investors only. So yep. our feeling is flow is very lumpy in our space. You can't go to the local, even, even as compared to senior liens, they're just not as of the junior liens are not as available. It's hard to find them. It's all relationship driven. We work with other larger hedge funds, some institutions, some intermediaries, 
and we've built some relationships which which keep us you know in deals but it's lumpy yep. I mean, we might get a five million dollar purchase and like oh my goodness let's go raise the money so what we decided was to do these you know serial funds where we're, we have a raise period we have a deployment period and we have a harvesting period and then we we overlap those so that we're always raising we're always deploying we're always working out loans and it's worked out it's it's like a chicken and egg game continually you you know it's the same thing whenever you're raising money to do deals but uh it, it's very uh non-steady state but that kind of helped yeah. us get the you know that helped us even out the curve a little and bit. with the 506c you now have the benefit of you can market uh and yeah. advertise for that yeah and that's all starting to kick in now because when you have a you know when you have a, a seven or eight year track record of success and we know we're very confident now the kind of returns we're going to be able to generate so so now we've been recently we've been uh we've attracted some institutional money that's actually uh supplying a, a senior debt facility so you know what that money is a little cheaper than than our equity money because we we basically yep. have been splitting profit with our equity players that ends up being a really nice irr for them but by putting this but debt he who has the cheapest money wins yeah well it, it, the thing of it is so we're not doing a whole lot more on the You're equity trying to side. find yeah trying to find but you can find cheaper capital that's way better for you guys. Yeah, and, and then our equity investors that stay in with us actually do better because that we still split profits with them, but now we have that lower cost money in right, front yeah. of them. They have to wait a little longer for their payout, but their the net effect is their internal rate of return, you know, is increased too. So it's been yeah. a wonderful, it's been great. And then on the income side, we just do a, we have an open-ended, it's a 506C as well. And it's an it's an imperpetuitous fund, so it's not a you know it doesn't have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's people uh, invest in that. We send out a preferred return. We've never missed the preferred return. In fact, we we've never even come close to clipping the trees. We raise money and we're out deploying it to buy more cash flowing notes. And the yeah. beauty is we 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 have about we're, we're probably about a uh, fifty fifty maybe sixty percent is sec is is actually second liens. We have enough of them now that every single month a handful of these things pay off. And it's great because we're buying them at about a, anywhere from 11 to 14 or 15% cash flow on our investment, cash on cash on our investment. But that's right. at, a, as I said before, a 60 or 60, that's, that's at a discount of what's owed. Yes. And so now right. we get we get payoffs every month. So it's a windfall that comes in. So once you start getting those payoffs, that's the trick is when you've been doing it long enough in that six to seven year window, all these things are maturing. People are refining, yeah. cashing out or whatever they're trying to do, especially with like rates being low right now. Yeah. Yep. They're they're paying off that senior or that subordinate debt and you guys are just getting big checks. You you get this business, man. I'm a little bit I'm a little bit concerned. You 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 understand this a little Hey, listen. <laughs> Part of me there's going to be a day where I'll probably sell everything that I have, but uh to get into the banking world because I I truly believe that that's probably my end game of of this of what I do now is uh when our properties mature, we, right now we've got about 95 million dollars worth of assets. Awesome. Um and we're we'll keep on we're buying more and more, but I think there's a day when Corey doesn't want to work so hard. I think notes doesn't require as much work when you build the right team. It's a different piece of the puzzle than it is dealing with paper yeah. and then dealing with to toilets and tenants. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. it. At the same time, I mean, you know, like you said, being on the bank is always good. Yeah, but but there are, you know, especially when you're consumer facing, you really got to watch it. I mean, we're super compliance minded. But uh, there's so many different protections for the consumer, and some of them are really good, and some of them are overkill. Some states, 
it's like they're almost incentivizing people to be deadbeats. It's, it's, I won't name names of states. In yeah. Case California, Oregon. But, yeah. I'll do it for you. But, but it's, but it's, it's crazy. Those big I mean, blue states. Let's yeah. just put it that yeah, way. Exactly. <laughs> we, we, I mean, we've seen people do, file serial bankruptcies and stay in homes for, you know, we, we've, we buy a lot of these loans where there hadn't been a payment in over 10 years. Wow. It's, but, you so, see it all, right? Yeah. I, I'm a believer in uh, really having been a real estate guy forever. See, the thing of it is, if you think about it, theoretically, if you buy a 30-year mortgage, let's just say you buy a 30-year mortgage and it's per, it performs perfectly. Well, at the end of 30 years, you know, you've gotten 30 years of, of mailbox money, super no-brainer cash flow that comes in. But at the end of 30 years, you got nothing. You've got all your money back because it's come back principal and interest. But if you own an apartment building or a house, single family home and your tenants are paying that mortgage down at the end of 30 years, you have an asset. So yeah. I'm kind of betraying my space because yeah, I hear some yeah, people. It's, it's a little bit of both, right? Yeah, having you know, both. Is, it. it's a, the key is, like you said, it's having a good team, whether it's hard real estate or paper, having a good team to, to do the heavy lifting for you and doing it right, taking the time, spending the money to do it right and building. Yeah. I think building that's the key, key part of what you just said is, you, when you really decided you just didn't all slap everything together, you're like, hey, let's make sure we're in compliance. Oh, yeah. There's lots of regulations in that business to make sure you do it properly and like right. so you got to comply. And then so one of my questions on that raising money thing, when you went to the 506C, do you feel like it unlocked more capital for you? Yeah, absolutely. Or did uh, it take a little time? Like, I mean, usually when you first do your first C, it's kind of like, oh gosh, I, I'm not sure. I just like to hear your experience in that process and where you're at now with it. It seems like it's working really well. Yeah, you know, some of the some of the folks that came in on the first the family and friends fund, they continued to invest with us, so they they kind of seeded maybe the 506C. We don't raise money on the the 506B anymore. You're not, you're, yep, you're, you're exactly. really not supposed yep. to cross pollinate. Yep. So we're very careful about that, making sure that we're only reaching out to accredited investors. You know, we're vetting everybody and doing all that verifying. Well, you have to verify too nowadays. It's not, yeah. you can even just let them come in. You've got to do the work or pay a company to do the work. Yeah, absolutely. So in the beginning, yeah, it took, it was a little bit harder to get initial uh, investors on board, but we hired some, uh, you know, we hired a couple folks and we have a capital team now and they're now we're at the point where we are. We're doing uh, adverti online advertising, even through podcasts, like doing this. We get people that reach out and say, hey, I heard you on a podcast like a year ago. Are you guys, you know, they look us up and there's a ton of passive uh, investment capital out there and folks that, that don't, they, they don't want to own properties themselves. They don't want to work mortgages themselves or operate apartment buildings themselves. So they're looking for us. They're looking for guys like you and I that, that, that are committed to running a business model and doing it well. Yeah. So now it's, you know, when you hit momentum, uh, Corey, you know, people, honestly, I don't think we have enough opportunities for, for all the investment. That's, that's where you go. That's where it gets to. Right. And so that's, it's, I wanted to see uh, how you got there. Cause I think that's money raising capital is momentum. Yeah. In the beginning, it's like you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't even see the beach. Yeah. Right? I think you a lot of, you feel like you gotta do all the work <laughs> paddling yeah, that thing. Exactly. And, and I but think eventually I, you're riding the wave, right? You know, I think a lot of it too is, is attitude. You know, if you have a deal and you know, it's a good deal, a good business model, and you know, you're going to treat people right. You're going to treat your investors, right. Communicate with them. Honestly, they really need us. So yeah. I am not selling an investment to people. I'm, you know, I, they have a need. They have a need for some good, secure cash flow and I can I can meet that need, and I fully believe that, and I firmly believe it, and we've and we've demonstrated it. So, 
if you're approaching it like, hey, will you please invest in my deal? You know, it, it's a mindset. And uh, honestly, I mean, in this day and age, this sounds a little bit maybe arrogant, but the investors need us more than we need them, meaning there's trillions of dollars of investment capital that doesn't know what the heck to do. They're afraid of Wall Street. Look at the big drawdown. Oh, without a doubt. I firmly believe in what you just said there because it is true. And I come from that world. My, my background is Series 766 licensed financial advisor. Wow. And the truth is, in the stock market, even the people that are taking your money, those financial advisors, pay, paid salesmen, by the way, right? they don't even have any control. Yeah. Yep. And most people want to get off of the roller coaster. Yep. Well, you know, I'll, I'll just and like you a, said, they need people like us. Yeah, a, a case in point, and this is pretty serendipitous, but I spoke at a called an Intelligent Investors Real Estate Conference in Los Angeles, and I think it was in February. And I didn't know what I was going to be. I was going to be on a panel, and so they told me the name of the panel that you're going to be speaking on is how to build a recession-proof business. And I'm going, oh man. My first words were, I said, first of all, I, I don't think anybody up here can in, with integrity say I've built an, a recession proof business because we don't know what's coming down the road or what kind of challenges we might have. I can tell you that, that we stress test our model and I believe it can withstand some pretty big hits, but to say it's recession proof, I don't know. And then I went on to explain, like for instance, with our mortgages, they're secured by workforce housing geographically diversified. We're in, our notes are in 38, probably more than that states now. And they're not high-end East Coast, West Coast houses. So right. people aren't going to leave their homes unless they are unemployed and stay unemployed. You know, they're not looking, yep. they're not getting up in the morning and saying, hey, honey, look at Zillow, our value's down. We should probably sell this asset. Yeah. It's home Let's sweet not home. make any payments. Let's, like, let's miss everything. Yeah, so, so here we are a month later, this COVID thing hits and I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I, I really believe and I hope that uh, you know, this, this holds true. And you know what? Our, our, our funds went like this right through COVID. Uh, we, had a, we had a handful, like I said, of uh, people that needed some help, needed some time out. We gave it to them. And at the end of the day, we've had record-breaking quarters while the stock market did this thing. Now, granted, it's back up, but like you said, you had zero control over that. What if you were somebody it's the that roller coaster? Had, yes. What if you were somebody that needed to get a hold of some of your liquidity on March 23rd? Yep. You know what day that was, right? That was the bottom day of the of the stock market, and it it, it yep. was like I mean, the talk about the air coming out of the balloon. So you know. Anyway, I, I, I it's usually love the best day to call capital. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I love making those phone calls. Hey, do uh, you want to talk to me now? Yeah. And then yeah. they're like, hold on. I need to wait a couple more days to see what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. That, and they're hoping and they're hoping that it doesn't go. Th a lot of times they're just scared. So they sell and then effectively they bought high. They sold low to finally get into something and to get out of the roller coaster yep. and be consistent. Because what I believe and you probably believe me, uh, people want consistency. Yep. More than yield. People want consistency. And security, yep. Absolutely. Yeah, and security. And yeah. if you can offer that in this world, I'm doing it for multifamilies, you're doing it through notes, people can win. And you know, and then it's really about the operator that's doing that investment model. Just like your company, Aspen Funds, you know, then you're looking for track record. Right. You're looking for history. You're looking for clues to say, ah, these guys know what they're doing and it's not their first rodeo. Exactly.
Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And you know, and we got here by learning not Making not necessarily mistakes, how to right? do things wrong, but learning what can burn you. So we're super careful, and uh, we run a lot of uh, we do a lot of testing of our models, and we've hired some just absolutely top notch professionals. I mean, we pay pay a lot out in salaries, and we love it. It's an investment, and uh, it's been a wonderful. We really look at the the need that we're fulfilling twofold. Obviously, we're solving a problem and creating win win situations on the asset side itself. But yep. it's really, it's serving a need out there in the investor community where people do exactly what you say. I wouldn't tell somebody, take all your money out of off Wall Street and out of institutional investments, although I'd be leaning that direction. But you know what? Anybody and everybody ought to have something on, in alternatives. And, yes. uh, and, and yet they ought to really know, uh, you know, it's a truly passive investment where the activity comes in is doing your due diligence on the company, on the operator, on the model. That's uh, it. You know, all that kind of thing, but take a little bit more control in, in in what you're investing in and who you're investing with, and then put a lot of trust in understanding that piece, and then you can do still do what you're doing now. With most of Mars, they give it to a financial advisor and then they walk away. Right. Well, the, but they're still on the roller coaster, and they really want off. So do a little bit of due diligence in the beginning. Find the right operator. Find the right uh, history and strategy, and I think most investors would be really happy with that. Exactly. Yep. No doubt. And it's yeah. a growing, it's a growing thing, man. It's a, it's a, it's a snowballing deal right now. Well, the doors are not closing and James still open. So Aspen funds are still uh, looking for money. So that's a great segue to say if people are looking to find you or your fund, where, where should they go and find you guys at? Yeah. So again, our, our, our investing in our funds is only for accredited investors at this point. And yep. it's uh we're at aspenfunds.us. So A-S-P-E-N-F-U-N-D-S.us. And uh, just reach out and uh, someone will get back in touch with you. If you have specific questions about the note space, just reach out and leave leave a comment and we'll we'll have the right person get back to you. So we're very open-handed about helping people out and whatever they want to do, whether it's passive investing or whether it's getting involved in real estate. So, All right. Thank you so much for that. Looking back, you've been doing this game for since 86, you said. Yeah. Yep. Right? That's a good amount of years, right? It is. See this? And, this didn't and look said- like this when I started. <laughs> And you said you lost it all twice. What advice would you give for the new person coming into real estate to keep going? Because, you know, these hurdles that we all face, yet you still persevered and and won. What advice would you like to give somebody like that? Well, okay, that's a good one. So, you know, there's a saying out there, the best way to learn is by making mistakes. I disagree with that. I say the second, that's the second best way to learn. The first best way to learn is from my mistakes. You learn from my mistakes. And what that comes down to is mentors. And uh, really, you know, if I had run into the right people that could have sat me down when I was in my 30s, the first time I was on my way to a multi-million dollar net worth, being a small developer, you know, using debt, and they had explained to me, you know, some of the more conservative models of building real estate wealth, I would have gotten it and I would have jumped into it. So, Honestly, surround yourself with people that are already where you want to go at some level, and uh, and you can you can cut a bunch of uh, learning curve off of your life. The sad reality is most people will still choose to learn by making their own mistakes. So I could go back and reverse engineer my career, and I would have done a lot better. As far as getting back on top, and you know when you've had the snot beat out of you, my personal story is my faith in God is what undergirds everything I do. 
And that's my core. That's my central. That's who I am at the core. It's just like when you're working out in the gym, they say, build your core and then work on your biceps. You know, it's the same thing in life. I believe work on your inner person. And so uh, my faith uh, drives and informs what I do. So I'm just by that nature, um, I'm just a hopeful person. I'm, I'm an optimistic person. I believe things are supposed to work if you do it right and you learn along the way and it's not the end of the world. You just get back up and take your skills and retool yourself a little bit and jump back in. So if, if you don't have that kind of a mindset, probably entrepreneurial real estate isn't the place for you, but you know, your audience probably is already in our world at some level. Yeah. Awesome. James, thank you so much for being a guest. Hey guys, if you're listening to this podcast right now, there's lots of ways to make money in real estate, whether it's in uh, non-performing nodes, seconds uh, in the multifamily space, um, lots of ways to do it. But before you even get there, you have to decide in your mind that you are going to do it because uh, it will get hard, it will get difficult, and sometimes you may fail. Um, and that's okay. But here, uh, James just <laughs> proved to us that he failed big twice, yep. yet he's just multi multi-millionaire and, and, and doing great things. So guys, it's really about your choice to say, I'm going to do it and I'm not going to quit no matter what, because if you believe it, you can achieve it, That's true. and your paradise is possible.